you can turn one blog post into several different Instagram posts uh, and Instagram stories. So that could be a great way to transform that blog content into things that you can post on Instagram um, or in Instagram Lives or Facebook Lives, even just using the same points that you teach in your blog post and turning that into a Facebook Live and then an Instagram Live. And then using like the Facebook Live video and making that a YouTube video by just uploading it to YouTube. So now you've got this whole empire you're building of content. Hello and welcome to the EverCoach podcast, the online destination for a coach that wants to create a positive impact in the world and make good money along the way. I'm your host, Ajit Nawalka, and every week I'll bring you the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves. This week, I have someone so special. Her name is Melissa Griffin. She's the creator of the Limitless Life podcast, and she's also somebody who's been at the game of content creation for years at this point. Believe it or not, she started her journey with creating blog posts, blog content, found her fame through that and then has learned the art of content creation and distribution across multiple platforms. I know content creation can be so daunting, so tiring, especially for coaches. We have so much content at all the time and we feel like we need to write that post and make that article and record that podcast and make that video and so on and so forth and it can get so exhausting. What I was fortunate to do was to find Melissa in this journey. Melissa is a master content creator and loves repurposing that content into multiple channels. What Melissa is gonna talk to you about is what kind of content to create, how to create it, how to distribute it, so you can, as a coach, use those strategies and reduce the amount of overwhelm you may be experiencing right now as you are creating content. So in this episode, we're gonna talk a lot about content what I'll invite you to do is to listen carefully, but also listen for the mindset, listen for what she's really thinking, what is she really anticipating as she's creating the content. She's not just creating content for the sake of creating content, which is the most common mistake I see coaches make very frequently. She creates content with intent. I invite you to think about creating content with intent. In this episode, Melissa is gonna share with you her strategies around content. For more episodes like this, go ahead and subscribe to the EverCoach podcast. Whichever channel that you listen to podcasts on, it's available everywhere. So go ahead and subscribe it because you're going to get juicy, powerful material every single week from EverCoach podcast around helping your clients get magnificent results and also be able to build a phenomenal business for yourself and live an extraordinary life. Thank you so much, first of all, for taking the time, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining in today. Be I've had conversations, but I've always been impressed with what I see online as your presence. So we've had our conversations a little bit, but I'm just so impressed. So when we decided to bring in and we were like, okay, we want to bring female entrepreneurs who are doing really good stuff that can really teach a lot. And at the same part, I'm just an inspiring person. I thought I got to reach out to Melissa and see if she can make it for this round. So thank, thank you, you so much for taking the time coming down. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm excited to chat with you today. And just feel honored to be here. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's let's get started with just starting saying how did you even get here? 
How, how did it get here? What's the journey been like? Yeah, it's kind of a, a strange ride. So I started as a teacher in Japan. I was teaching English as a second language and was finding myself not being super fulfilled by what I was doing. I had this creative itch and I was living in another country where I wasn't connecting, didn't have that sense of community. So I started a blog and the blog was meant to be this like creative outlet to connect with people online, find my people essentially. Mm-hmm. And it was just this hobby and then started to snowball into this other thing once I realized that blogging was like this whole other world, which I didn't know before. Um, so I started this blog, met a lot of people. Eventually that turned into a graphic design business that I was mm-hmm. doing through my blog and um, selling a lot of graphic design services to my blog readers. And then that started to snowball into what I do now, which is helping people start their own business. So I had this graphic design business. I was also blogging and telling people what I was doing to grow my graphic design business. And I found that people were really interested in that. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, how do I get more clients? How do I use SEO? How do I create content? And so eventually I just started creating courses, doing retreats, speaking, created a podcast. And little by little, just started working my way up and, and building these things to help people create their own business online. Oh, that's fascinating. So tell us a little bit more in context of blogging. Blogging is something that was, of course, really, really popular a few years ago. That was the way to get started because, well, that was the platform to really have expression. Social media wasn't there as much and so forth. So are you you still blogging? Does that still work? Yes. So great question. I think blogging was the biggest reason why my business worked, especially Mm -hmm. in the beginning. It's how your community created that personal touch. It drove traffic to my website. And I still do think that it works. I don't blog as much anymore, but we're starting to get back into it now. I took like a little break mm-hmm. to try podcasting and creating videos, but I still think blogging is one of the best ways to create a community online. Because if you think about any search engine, especially Pinterest and Google, people are typing in their problems all the time, looking for information to solve them. Mm-hmm. And what's coming up mainly are blog posts that people have written. And they've just found ways to get their content, those blog posts up to the top of those search results. And Mm. then it drives traffic to their website. So I definitely still think it's a good solution, something that's worthwhile to do as a business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think there's other things you can do kind of in tandem with blogging to create Mm -hmm. more of that personal connection and that community with your people. What, what is it that, that you go, okay, fine, this is, this is what Melissa says today. I know you started with blogging and yeah. I know you recommend blogging as well, but let's say if I had to say, how does your business look like right now in context mm-hmm. of creating community, in con- context of creating conversation mm-hmm. with people that may be your people? Right, yeah. So right now we do a mixture of a few things. So I would say it's blogging, our email list, Instagram, and then we'll throw in videos. So maybe it's a Facebook Live, maybe it's an Instagram story or some other type of video, YouTube or a free challenge that we do. So we kind of blend those four different types of content creation, but it's still very much based on creating content. Because I think that that's such a, an easy and great way to build that community because I see content as kind of these three different things that you can create. Mm-hmm. It can be informational, it can be inspirational, or it can be personal. And you want to have a blend of all different of those three different types of content wherever mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. with your business. So we do that on those four different platforms. And I feel like that just adds a lot of different touch points where some people are more likely to open an email. Some people are more likely to watch an Instagram story, but we're 
bleeding them all together, sending people to all of our different platforms and trying to build this community where it's all sort of interwoven together. Now, is this, is there, because our, our audience tend to be coaches, consultants, trainers, educators, experts in different fields. Yeah. Um, just to take that lead of what you said, the integration of different formats mm -hmm. of, of conversation, which I don't think enough people talk about because people consume information differently, right? right people like to, right. some people like to read more, some people like to listen more, some people like to watch more, and, and people like to go between models as well, because yeah. that's depending on where they are situated at the time and what they're doing. So it's very interesting what you just said. At the same point of time, do you feel, considering coaches, consultants, educators, experts, uh, do you feel that it becomes a little tedious mm. as a task? for people to be able to create content in all these various formats. Right, like, oh my gosh, I have enough yeah. things on my plate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what I tell my students, what I like to do for myself too, is create a signature piece of content. Maybe it's your blog post, wherever you love to create content the most, and then turn that into all of the other things. So maybe you use that same content from that blog post, and then part of it becomes a video that you do on your Instagram stories. Part of it becomes an email that you send to your people. Another part of it could be a Facebook Live, and you're using and reusing that initial piece of content that you made really in-depth, that you worked really hard on, and then you're just picking it apart and turning it into all of these other things. And eventually, you can even hire people to do that part for you. So it doesn't mm -hmm. even have to be that you're creating four or five pieces of content. It can be you create the first thing, and then other people on your team are able to turn it into a video turn it into an email and then be able to almost seem like you're everywhere online because yeah. now you've got content everywhere even though all you did was create that first thing so so how do you know what is your first thing mm. like what is your first thing let's just start there first do you like to write first do you like to do video first I, i'm understanding this right right yeah 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 exactly yeah so i would say for me i love writing that's one of my mm -hmm. first passions is writing i do like doing videos too but Writing is probably my, my favorite thing. So I'll write a blog post and then we'll have a copywriter who will take that and turn it into an email and turn it into an Instagram post or even create like the outline for a YouTube video if I wanted to do something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll create the blog post first. But you asked the question of how do you even figure out what that first thing is, yeah. which is a great question. So there's a few ways that you can go about doing that. One of them is just to listen. Listen to your clients, listen to the people who follow you already, what are they asking you for? What kinds of comments are they leaving? And what does it seem like you can provide? Like what would be a service to those people that they seem to be asking you about a lot? Especially when you're on sales calls, because I know that a lot of client, uh, coaches and consultants are gonna be watching this. So if you're on a sales call and you notice that you're getting the same questions or the same objections over and over and over again, that's a great thing to turn into a blog post. So now when somebody has that objection, on a sales call or when they're just browsing your website to see if they even want to click that like contact button to begin with. Now they have this blog post that they can read that's in-depth that tells them all about why that objection doesn't need to be real, why they can kind of uh, not believe it and hire you. So first is to listen and create content on those objections or those questions that your people often have. Mm -hmm. And then the second is to think about what do I want to be known for? What mark do I want to leave and what topics does that cover? So thinking about like, what are the things that I really am passionate about sharing and teaching? 
uh, what are the parts of my story that I really want to share with the world? And how can I get a little bit vulnerable about those pieces? Because I think content is just as much about sharing really useful information as it is about sharing a piece of who you are too. Mm-hmm. And that's where people are really going to connect with you and want to hire you over some other person. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it starts there with just listening and then figuring out what kind of mark do I want to leave? And then what are the first steps that I can teach of that mm-hmm. thing? that process or that system that's important mm-hmm. to me. I, I would think that at this point, it sounds brilliant, by the way, first of all, a really good piece nugget there because you could go now, not just as a, as a consultant or a coach, you could take that and go, okay, this is what I'm going to at least topically know what I'm going to talk about. What I find uh, with, with our audience and while we are having conversations with people and so forth is sometimes they're able to discover what they want to talk about but when they start talking about it uh, it tends to get repetitive in their own mind it doesn't it doesn't matter what the world thinks it's in their own mind they're like i said this i've said this i've said this what is what is according to you is a firstly is that true does it get repetitive secondly how do you get out of that cycle because that of course takes away the juice and the excitement of creating something because you're just thinking oh, i think i talked about this. yeah Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing I would do is if you feel like you've said it a bunch of times, you probably haven't said it a bunch of times everywhere. So say it all the time on all of your different profiles. And if it's something that you want to become known for, then you should be saying it all the time. Because if you just say it that one time, that thing that's really important to you, that's something you want to define your career and your business by, don't just say it once. You got to say it like frequently, once a week on your different platforms, really get your people acquainted with the idea that you're trying to spread in the world. So if it's something that's important to you, that's like a pillar of your brand and say it often and don't, don't feel like that's weird. <laughs> that's something that we actually should do more and we shy away from doing it because we think that our audience saw that post we made two weeks ago or that blog post we wrote six months ago, but people aren't really seeing all of our content all the time. Often people are following us on one platform but not really following us everywhere. So they're not going to see all those different posts we make. So I think the first key is just say it often and say it on different platforms that you're reaching Mm -hmm. as many people as possible. If this is a thing that's like important to your brand and the kind of information you want to share. Um, And then what else was I thinking on that? Yeah. So just saying it more frequently. Oh, and the other thing is if you are only listening to yourself, if you're not, taking in this kind of community feel, then it's going to be hard to create more content because there's only so much in this well of content inside of you that you know that you want to share and get out into the world. But I think the real magic happens when you see this community that you're helping and then you start to create nuanced content that serves those people. So what I see a lot of people do is they'll create a lot of content that they've been wanting to create. It's been living inside of them and that's fantastic. And then, like you said, they might get to a point where they feel like, I've said this before, I don't have anything else to say, like, how am I going to create a new blog post? (laughs) And what they should really go back to is the listening stage of reading those comments people are leaving, checking those emails that their customer service virtual assistant is responding to, looking in Facebook groups to see what kinds of questions and posts people are creating, and using that as fuel for new content to create because people are always having new questions and there's always a nuanced way to answer, like maybe in a more specific way 
mm -hmm. uh, the question that you feel like you've been answering over and over. So I think it's like, instead of just being yourself or not just like living in a vacuum alone, is mm -hmm. just bringing in that sense of community and mm -hmm. figuring out what, what the people need more help with. And that'll really drive a lot of your content creation. That, that is so true. I, I, I had that moment where I was like, oh, I've said everything yeah. that, that I had to say. And so I kind of took a break earlier this year and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just take everything that I've already written. I'm just going to tell some of somebody on my team. And this was mostly not for emails per se, but definitely for like my Instagram and so forth. I was like, you know what? I've said everything that I need to say. I can't write this one more time. Why don't you just post this and just maintain my account so something goes up? And we realized that there is literally no change in engagement. Mm -hmm. It was equally engaging. It was equal number of likes, equal number of comments. Because it almost was like I had said it. In my mind, I had said it. Right. But the people that needed to hear it hadn't heard it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was so interesting. We were like, this is the same thing that we posted like a month <laughs> ago. And I'm posting it today. It's the same level of engagement, same level of comments. This doesn't look like that it has like less traction. It had the same amount of traction that it had a month ago while it's actually a repeat post. Right. So, so it was very interesting to find that data. And that's why I'm glad you mentioned it, that a lot of times you think you've said it yes. enough times, but the people who have to hear it haven't heard it enough times and, or haven't heard it at all. Because like you mentioned on platforms, not only that, not every person is on every platform, right? Right now, platforms push the content only to about three, five, maybe 10% of your all audience that follows you or wants to listen from you or hear from you. And that's all the platform is really pushing right now. What is your recommendation in that context? Today, con at least the platforms owned by Facebook, Instagram and Facebook, their content is seen by maybe 3%, 5% of audience as initial. If you go viral, maybe 10% of your audience. But that's pretty much where it all caps out. What's your recommendation to individuals that are getting started right now or have started and now are going, holy cow, I used to get 20% of people seeing what I was posting, now it's three. What's your recommendation? Yeah. So before I answer that, I just want to bring in like a little stat that I heard recently. And we probably all heard the stat that people need to see something seven times before they buy something. I recently heard that that has gone up to like 25 times. They have to see it 25, all the ads and everything that we're being pushed content for, they need to see it a lot of times. So exactly what your example was of, you didn't realize that people would still be engaged with this thing that you've already talked about, but they actually need to see it a lot of times before they're ready to like take the next step. So just even more fuel in the bucket of stay more than you can Yeah, yeah. And then um, with the algorithms and building a community and creating content, like you were asking, I am a huge fan of creating an email list. That's my number. That's like my jam when creating mm -hmm. a community. Uh, I start with a blog post and I try and just funnel as many people in our community onto our email list because if they read a blog post, great, but mm -hmm. there's no real uh, reason why they would come back or remember to come back to that blog post or to my website in general if they don't sign up for something. So I do have a presence on Facebook. We do Facebook Lives. I have an Instagram where I do Instagram stories and posts, but those, in my opinion, aren't my main uh, ways of growing a community. My main way is through my email list. And it's for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, where with a social media platform, you're really at the mercy of the social media platforms 
ranking you in their algorithm, showing your posts to your followers, and it's not chronological, so you're hoping that you're like at yeah. the top of the feed. You've got the right time and yeah. the right first comment, <laughs> so it shows up somewhere. Yeah, you're like in the middle of your birthday party, mm -hmm. like trying to get the right time and just <laughs> not being engaged with the people there, right? So yeah. that part, um, I think there's value to social media for sure, especially in the personal context of sharing more who you are. But I think for an email list, um, some of the benefits are that they are chronological, so you don't have to worry about like somebody's email going ahead of yours if yours was sent after theirs. It's all chronological. Um, you know that it's going to be sent to your people versus the algorithm, which might not even show your content to your followers. And emails have much higher open rates generally than uh, an Instagram post has engagement rate. Mm -hmm. So I think for Instagram, it's like, two to three percent engagement is pretty normal two mm -hmm. to three to four uh, mm -hmm. but for an email open rates between like 20 to 50 percent are pretty normal so mm -hmm. just thinking about like do i want to create content and have two to three percent of my followers see it or 20 to 30 percent of them see it so it seems mm -hmm. like a no-brainer um, and then having that social media as like a supplement a way to connect with people create that community uh, but then also have the email as more of like your main bread and butter, in my opinion. Mm. That is so interesting, the stats that you just mentioned. I hadn't thought of it in the way you just mentioned. Mm. It's like, think about it. Right now, your social media, like, I think if you have 2 or 3% like on an Instagram post, if you have engagement rate, which basically right. literally even a like is counted right. as an engagement mm -hmm. rate, which may or may not really be engaging. It could just be a like for your photo, yeah. not really a content, which is a coach, consultant, expert. That's not what matters. If I have an e-commerce store, that's all matters because you are the photo image, you like it, means you're kind of engaging with my product. But as a coach consultant, I want them to read what I wrote below the thing or as whatever the code is. Uh, but the engagement to two, three percent is considered really good. But else, email beats that percentage pretty much all the time, right? You, you could be the worst email marketer and you would still end up at about 10% open rates. Yeah. It's like, you know, like you're really doing really bad if you're doing under 10. <laughs> Uh, but let's say you're really not really taking care of your list or whatever and just smashing them with uh, promotional emails, you'll get 8-10% open rates. And that's still considered pretty decent. That's still higher than the 3% right. that you're getting on social media. Plus, this is more directed message. I don't think anybody has put that in context of mm -hmm. because I think there was a time where social media was outperforming email. And the reason was because social media was seen more easily because social media platforms was not trying to algorithmically define what is good for the person that's reading, but it was just like, hey, everybody who's following this person should get the update from this person, right? Because that was, that seems normal, that seems obvious. And at that time, social media was totally dominating compared to email because email was still doing that 10%, 15%, whatever it was doing. And now I feel like, because of how the algorithm has changed, email might actually be something that's actually better to do versus social media just because of that. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. Yeah, and if we look at most of our sales from my company, they mostly come from our email. The social media, it's hard to, to tell sometimes mm -hmm. because we do posts and we talk about programs. It's less of a hard sell on mm -hmm. social media, so it makes sense that we make less sales, but the sales that we make to, from emails that we send are just astronomically different than what mm -hmm. we do from anything that we pitch on social media. So I see mm -hmm. social media as almost like if you're making a layup, or mm -hmm. I'm actually not great at basketball terms, but <laughs> if you're doing 
have like no that. idea what basketball yeah. terms are, so... <laughs> I'll really break this down because I don't know. But if you're, you're shooting a basket and somebody comes in and like assists, I think is what it's called, where you're mm-hmm. like trying to shoot it and they come in and they, they hit it in for you. Mm-hmm. I see social media as like you... Assist. Yeah, right. Like it's part of the sale. It's warming people up. It's creating that connection. But the sale is going to happen through emails that you send. And I think what we hear a lot is that Instagram is like, Number one, you've got to be on Instagram. You have to spend hours a day on it. It feels like I feel like we don't hear as much, especially for newer businesses, newer coaches. They, they see Instagram because it's so like, visible, mm-hmm. but we don't see email quite so much. Mm-hmm. And it's not talked about as much of like the email strategy. Mm-hmm. So there's almost like this, this misinformation of which one's more important. And so I think starting with email and then eventually factoring in that social media piece. Yeah, no, that's so true and so interesting. I mean, we, I literally had another conversation today where I was talking about how much I hate Instagram. Uh, because <laughs> of, not because of the platform. The platform's great and everything, yeah. but it's just so addictive mm. uh, that I hate it because internally I'm like, oh, why am I on this platform again when I don't really need to be there, but I just end up opening it for no reason. Not really doing anything, just doing yeah. brainless scrolling. Uh, as my time passed, so so I was just expressing my hate for it again. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, I love it. I I hate it that I love it. Uh, but yeah, anyway, like, what, what you need the addictive. Part? Yeah, addictive. It's like having yeah. beer versus like being an alcoholic, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like the balance goes away, especially with Instagram for some reason for me. Yeah. So I try to like not even open it, like or or try to like be present to it if I yeah. open it. That it pulls it almost immediately. Anyway, I digress. Uh, coming back to the topic of of email, let's try to see if we can walk coaches, consultants, experts, whoever's listening to this conversation to reverse paths to getting somebody into an email database. And how do you really create that content all the way from post? Like you, you kind of mentioned how to really come up with the ideas a little bit. If you if you want to expand on that, sure. And then how do you write it or if it's a video, how do you draft that? Whatever that is, that if, if we could have some nuggets there going all the way to getting the email address. Yes. And then what happening, what happens with the email address? But that, let's touch on that later and see okay. if we have time to touch on it. But let's go from all the way finding the content to actually getting an email address. Right. Okay. So for, for the content, first of all, I would think of your pillar content. So pillar content is four to five posts that you have on your website that are really in-depth they're informational, they share a piece of who you are, so they've got your personality infused into them, but they are answering some of the biggest, most important questions and topics that you want to create your business around, that you want to be known for. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about what would those four or five pillars be? What are those topics that are really important? What are the processes that I really want to talk about? So uh, I have a friend who talks a lot about money mindset. So one of their pillar contents might be something like how to figure out what your money mindset is. Another one might be how to transform your money mindset from scarcity to abundance. So really just thinking about what are those main things that I want to be talking about and teaching people about. Mm -hmm. Create those pillar content pieces on your website. And then from there, think about what can I give away for free in addition to this? that's going to help somebody. And that would be your opt-in incentive. So opt-in incentives are the things that help to grow your email list. Those could be anything from a free quiz to a free video, free ebook, a checklist, a cheat sheet, 
a one-page PDF, honestly, whatever you want, anything that you think would be helpful for your people. And what I like to do when thinking about these opt-in incentives is think about what would be the next step that they would want to take after reading this article. So maybe the next step would be to fill out a worksheet to understand their money mindset or like to figure out which one they have uh, or to dive deeper or something. So the next step is a great thing to create as your opt-in incentive. Another thing that you could create is uh, something that helps them get past their objections. So maybe they read this pillar piece of content and then they think, yeah, well, I don't know if I could do that because X, Y, Z. And then you create this option incentive that helps them like realize that they can do it, that helps them plan it out, that helps them get over their, their fears or break through the myths that they're currently believing. So that's another thing you can create an option incentive on is just helping them break through those objections. Um, and then another thing is just how can you help them do this more easily? What can help them get started more easily? So maybe it is a worksheet, maybe it is an ebook or a thing that they could print out and keep at their desk. So thinking about it in those terms of what would be the next step that they could take or what would help them break through those objections or what would help them do this more easily, implement this, this pillar piece of content I just created. So create an option incentive on one of those three things and that'll be a good place to start. Mm -hmm. um, and then put that opt-in incentive inside or at least opt-in forms to, that lead to it inside of that piece of content on your website. So that blog post, that pillar content. Put some opt-in forms in there. I like to add a little graphic of what my incentive, my opt-in incentive is, mm -hmm. so that it's just visible, so that people see it, they get excited about it. So have a little graphic of it and an opt-in form, and then you'll be able to get people opting in for it. And obviously the question now is like, how do I get people to read the pillar content in the first place? So there's a few things that you could do to actually get people to your website in the first place. So one that I'm really big on is using search engines and search engine optimization. So that would work for Google, YouTube, Pinterest, some of the biggest search engines out there. And they all operate very similarly, even though Google's more for blog posts, YouTube's obviously video, Pinterest is kind of a blend. Um, but really what you wanna consider is that all search engines run based off of keywords and search frequency. So you wanna do a little research, see what are the keywords or phrases that someone's going to be searching for on Google, on Pinterest, or even on YouTube if you create video. Mm -hmm. And how does that keyword relate to the pillar content you just wrote? So find those keywords, plug it into that blog post you wrote, plug it into the headline. Mm -hmm. um, there's some really simple SEO practices that you can implement into all of your content and it'll just help to drive traffic to your website. So that's one. It's just really utilize some basic SEO and I can go more in depth on SEO too. Uh, if we want to talk about that, mm -hmm. but that's a great way to just drive continuous traffic to your website where you mm -hmm. can just create content that just gets people to your website for mm -hmm. years and years to come. Mm -hmm. um, other ways are you could use social media, especially things like Facebook groups. I think Facebook groups are just almost like a community place, meeting spot for a mm -hmm. lot of people these days. They're really popular. People love them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in Facebook groups from like ones that are about entrepreneurship to ones that are about taking care of my rescue chinchilla that I have. So mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of, of Facebook groups too. Mm -hmm. um, so you can go into Facebook groups, find the questions that people are asking on the topic you just wrote a blog post about, mm -hmm. and then just leave a comment and say, okay, oh, yeah, I just answered this question with this blog post. And mm -hmm. if it's going to be this in-depth blog post, it's got this opt-in incentive attached to it, 
then you're going to drive some traffic and get those subscribers. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's really helpful for driving traffic to this pillar content, you're just asking people. Like if you've got friends or family or anyone in your community, ask them to share it. And maybe your friends and family aren't your target audience or customers, but they probably know somebody who is. And even if they share it to their community and their friends, some of those people are likely to opt in and mm -hmm. want to share what you're doing or even might be an ideal client. So I think mm -hmm. we forget about like the community we've spent our whole lives building yeah. when we're creating a business, yeah. but definitely tap into that community too. So really the whole process is create pillar content, four to five pieces at least, uh, create an opt-in incentive to go with that pillar content. You could create one for each piece of content or you could create a uh, personalized or like individualized one for each blog post. Depends on your time. Totally cool either way. Mm -hmm. um, and then just drive traffic to it. And just mm -hmm. really that's the biggest way is just distribute it to as many people as possible mm -hmm. to get them onto your email list. And then it'll start growing from there, especially if you utilize SEO, search engine optimization to just drive traffic to it on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Very curious about SEO, but also before I get into it, and if you get into it, because yeah. I think I have a lot more questions around content, <laughs> uh, isn't SEO something that takes a lot of time? What like before you get traction on it. Yeah. Um, oh, so it takes a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of time to implement, but it does take like three to four months to start seeing results from it. So that is a great question because I don't want anyone to implement it and be like, what am I doing wrong? Why isn't it working? It does take a few months, but once it starts kicking in, it doesn't stop unless you stop creating content. Mm -hmm. But if you start implementing SEO, it'll take a few months to kick in, but then you're just going to drive traffic to your website. Mm -hmm. Some of my most popular posts that drive tens of thousands of page views to my website a month are things that I wrote like two years ago mm -hmm. and they still drive traffic, even though I haven't touched them in two years. So I just think it was like the gift that keeps on giving. You just put in the effort that one time and then it just continues to drive traffic to your website without additional time you have to put into it. That, that is very true. We found the same for YouTube videos. Like we did, we, right. we haven't really focused on SEO on site as much as we said, we want to build a YouTube channel. And so we started working towards keywords and keyword research yeah. and all the stuff that good stuff that you talked about towards videos. And now we are finding, we started our journey with just a couple of thousand subscribers. And now we are, by the time we're recording this, I think we're like 21,000 subscribers. And we just started doing this maybe a couple of months ago. So it's, uh, yeah, it's great. Like we're like, wow, this is amazing. All we had to do was to do focused effort. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, it's like do your research, find your uh, sources and things that you want to talk about and then and then do the work and keep doing it. And, and you will find success in three, four, five, six, eight months. Mm -hmm. It takes a little time, but you get traction when you get traction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting too, because YouTube is one of the biggest search engines in the world. So okay. you're using it exactly in the same way that you would as a blog post. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah this is just in context of video. Right. So now that we've expanded that a little bit on that, let's talk about how do you, you said how to, how to find the content. That, that you want to write. You said do a few pillar posts and so forth. Is there a path to finding what those pillars should be except for, I mean, you already mentioned, listen to your audience, do your keyword research, find what's true to you. What is it that, that really is juiced off at all? Like how is it that somebody connects these three elements to find which one to write first? The reason why I ask this question is because a lot of times what we've found is that 
especially coaches, especially consult, especially experts, uh, find it really hard to be able to create or, or be able to dial down on what to really write, what to really record in context of the video or audio, whatever that is. And so I'm trying to kind of go, go a little granular here to find uh, what is it that can be done to, to, let's say if I was to give an exercise right away, right here, right now, if you were to give an exercise right here, right now, what would that be to find those five things? Mm, yeah, well, I would almost see it as a branding exercise because I would start with your brand and what is your brand all about? Who are you and what are you all about? And what are the things that if you died tomorrow, you would be glad that you shared today? What are those things that are so important to you and your mission what you want to leave back behind on this earth that you want to write about them. And how can they be of service to the people who are in your community? So I would think of it that way, where you start almost with like, like a spider web or something where you're in the middle, your brand is, mm-hmm. and you're thinking about what are those different webs that I want to leave? And mm-hmm. that would eventually, if people come in on these little pieces and they would come into my brand and it would, it would make sense and it would flow and it would all kind of be about a similar topic underneath the umbrella of my business. So I would start there of thinking, what do I want to know, be known for? What am I excited to teach? What are those things that I really want to leave behind? And then what questions do people have on those topics? What are the main things that I can teach and that they need from me? So it's all, it's like this intersection between what your people need, what you can teach and what you're passionate about. So I think of it as almost like this Venn diagram of of those three things, what you're passionate about, what you have skills and talent in, what you want to leave behind, Mm -hmm. and then what your people need from you. And you can find the what your people need by doing that research in Facebook groups and doing a survey of your audience and just the listening part. Um, You can find the what you're talented in and what you're skilled in by even just making a list of what are the things that I really know a lot about that Mm -hmm. I can teach people on and just make a list. And the other part of uh, what do they need from you or how can you, or what are you passionate about is just looking at the intersection between the first two things and seeing what excites you the most and Mm -hmm. using that as fuel to write content on. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Is is there a point, I I believe I've I've hit that point at some point is why I'm asking this question. Is there a point? (laughs) Is there a point where it gets frustrating to to be creating content and because let's say you have the five pillars you've made the content and, and it's like you, because and again i don't know if it has happened with you it has happened with me where i've created a ton of content i'm really excited about it and nobody nobody is there watching it or listening to it or, or reading it or at least that's how i see it and what do you do when you hit that point what is the motivation that, that you have to keep taking action. Mm. When you feel like you're doing so much and nobody's watching. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. For me, I feel like it's A, having the faith that I just, I have this belief that if you work hard and you are consistent, working hard consistently, you can't not succeed. It's like, it has to happen. You can't not succeed if you are constantly working hard, putting yourself out there, creating amazing content. It just seems like it goes against the rules of nature to Mm -hmm. not succeed if you're working really hard and putting out great information. So A is just have the faith. Have the faith that you putting in this time and effort is going to lead somewhere. 
because what you're doing is important and people will eventually catch on, but it might take some time. So A is have faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and B is maybe try some different methods to get people to look at your stuff because there are things that you can do to get people reading your content, visiting your website in just a few days. It doesn't have to be this thing like SEO, which is still great, but it does yeah. take time. But there are other ways that you can get people to your site in just a few days. It doesn't have to take months and months to get people there. So I would almost feel like if you're creating tons of content and nobody's reading it, it's been months, and you feel like, where are all the people at? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something inside of you, for whoever's watching or listening right now, inside of you that's keeping you from putting yourself out there. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing too, especially with female entrepreneurs where we don't want to bother people, we don't want to burden anybody uh, mm-hmm. with the things that we're creating. So we hide a little bit sometimes because we don't want to seem too pushy. But mm-hmm. I think if we put ourselves out there a little bit more, then we might actually make you in favor of an impact. So sometimes it's that, where if we're not seeing traction for months and months, but we're creating tons of content, it might just be a matter of like getting over the hump of feeling like we're going to bother people and just mm-hmm. put our content out all over the place on Instagram, Facebook, to our friends and family, to our email list, mm-hmm. on our website, maybe in a video, in a webinar, mm-hmm. in a Twitter post, right? <laughs> so there's so many ways that we can drive people. I think part of it is just a matter of getting over the mindset around that. So what is your process? And this is more for your mind to kind of come to the right place. Mm-hmm. Is is what is your process? I understand being heart-centered and being able to create content, but you know the ups and downs of life and ups and downs of entrepreneurs. What entrepreneurship generally, how do you manage your energy mm-hmm. when it's the downtime of because like you said, content creation, as much as you want to create it, it could be frustrating sometimes mm-hmm. and it could be challenging sometimes. How do you manage your downs? Mm-hmm. Do you mean downs in terms of when I'm feeling like You're feeling this down? Sucks. Yeah. yeah, this sucks. Yeah. This sucks. It's yeah, not working. Watching. It's not working. Yeah. Especially it's not working, which is like all the time when you're starting something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a great question. Uh, the biggest thing that I would say is that the downs feel really down when your business is your entire worth, when it's your whole world. So what mm-hmm. I see a lot of people do, especially when they're creating a business or even just really in the first few years of running a business is that their business becomes their entire world. Everything else starts to fall away. Their friendships become less frequent. They don't see their friends as much, their family the same way. Their hobbies start to fall away. And everything that they loved before being a business owner is now something that is in the past. And their whole world becomes about their business. And so when a down comes, when you feel like people aren't reading this thing or this promotion isn't working out or this thing that I really wanted to work in my business isn't working. It doesn't just feel like your business isn't working. It feels like you aren't working. And I think a lot of people and myself included, I've done this so much in the past, we tie our worth to our business success. So Mm. my first suggestion would be don't let those other things that are important to you fall by the wayside when you're a business owner. Make Mm -hmm. sure that you prioritize the other things that brought you joy before you ever were an entrepreneur. That's the biggest thing, because then when the downs happen, you have this support network of friends and family that you can fall on. You have hobbies that you realize, oh yeah, you know, okay, this didn't work, but that's okay. I can work on it and I can make it happen eventually and work on these hobbies that also bring you joy. Just feeling more of a well-rounded life. I think that's really important first and foremost, is 
just to be able to get through those downs by not making your business everything to you. Um, so that's number one is just to have that well-roundedness. And beyond that, when the downs come, there's a quote that I really like uh, by Betty Sproul. And she says, there's no failure, only feedback. Mm-hmm. And to me, that means that if something's not working in your business and you're just feeling like this sucks, I just did a promotion and it's mm-hmm. not working. I'm not making sales. I wrote this blog post and nobody's mm-hmm. reading it. It's not a failure. It's not like you just hit rock bottom and everything sucks and it's broken. It's just feedback that maybe you publish that blog post and no one's reading it. Okay, well, now you can try another strategy. Maybe you should try mm-hmm. something else to distribute that blog post that you didn't use last time to get more mm-hmm. eyeballs reading it. Or maybe if you did a promotion and nobody bought it, it doesn't mean that no one's ever going to buy it. It just means mm-hmm. maybe your marketing needs a little tweak. Maybe mm-hmm. you could hire a coach. Maybe you could reach out to a friend and ask them, hey, could you look at my sales page and see what seems a little off to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you need a different copywriter. Maybe you could be writing your emails a little bit differently or take a course on how to do email marketing the right way. So mm-hmm. it's really just feedback on what can I do differently mm-hmm. that's going to make this work in the future. Mm. And how, so that's fantastic, by the way, as an advice, I want to switch gears a little bit. Let's, let's talk about the promotion pieces, because you kind of mentioned it in, as we were having conversation, mm. you said, what if your promotion didn't work out? Mm-hmm. Now, there might be a few listeners that have just got the insight of saying, oh, I'm chasing social media for so long. Uh, what if I switched gears or at least started to consider to have an email list or even run a promotion on social media? What is it that you use as your uh, framework, if mm-hmm. I may, to be able to design a promotion? Mm-hmm. I'd love for us to be able to touch on that topic and go, okay, here's what's something I think about when I'm designing a promotion. Yeah, yeah. I love promotions. I love yeah. like launches and that type mm-hmm. of thing. So we have a few main things that we always incorporate into our launches and our promotions. And the schedule essentially looks like, uh, well, first we have a challenge or something, like a free community building exercise. Thing mm-hmm. that people would sign up for, be part of. And sometimes that looks like a challenge where maybe for five days we send out an email every day with some information and then with an action item, a challenge item to get people to go take action on what they just learned. Or maybe sometimes it's a video series where I'll be teaching videos, and this is all free by the way, so I'll be teaching a video every day for like three days in a row. And they're learning a lot in these videos and mm-hmm. that's the main thing. And then we often have a Facebook group, like a little pop-up one that we'll have mm-hmm. um, during the challenge or the video series or whatever you want to create mm-hmm. uh, where people can go and ask questions or I'll do Facebook lives where my team and I will be answering questions and just helping people work through the material. But I, I think of that as like the pre-launch or pre-promotion value add where people Mm -hmm. are just getting tons of really helpful content. You're walking them through one of your main processes that you teach to your students. You're helping them break through some kind of limiting belief that would prevent them from ever being a client Mm -hmm. of yours. But you're really just creating this valuable free content in community. I think that part's important too, in Mm -hmm. community. So in a Facebook group, or maybe it's you do an Instagram live every day of the challenge, whatever it is, it's in community. They're seeing you and they're interacting with each other and they're getting tons of information. Mm -hmm. That's step one. Step two after that is you start the 
the promotions. That's when the open cart part would happen for if you're selling a course or maybe you have a coaching package that you're selling. And I like to add some extra bonuses during my launches. Mm. And the number one day of sales for our launches is always on the second day. And that's because we always have a bunch of bonuses. We call them our early bird bonuses or our VIP bonuses. Mm -hmm. And they're only available for about 48 hours. So people will see these bonuses on day one of the launch. And then on day two at midnight, all the bonuses, those early bird bonuses expire. And that tends to be our highest day of sales because they're really good bonuses. People want to get them Mm -hmm. um, and it works really well. And then we'll have about another week of the open enrollment period where people can sign up. And during that week, I'll usually do a couple of webinars. Um, We'll maybe add another bonus in the mix. We might do a scholarship to give away some products for free to some people who couldn't afford it. And then we'll just, we'll close our cart. Uh, So that's the open cart launch period. And during that period too, I'll be doing things like Facebook Lives for our challenge students, the people who already went through the challenge. I'll be doing Instagram stories talking about the thing that I'm selling. I sell a lot of online courses mainly, but this would work mm-hmm. whether you're selling courses or coaching or anything. Yeah. Um, so I'll do Instagram stories talking about some case studies of our past students who have gotten results from the course. I'll talk about the objections or myths that people might believe that are holding them back from enrolling. Uh, I'll talk also about my personal story as it relates to what I'm teaching in this program. Mm-hmm. Just creating more of that personal connection. So I talked mm. a while ago about how I think there's three main types of content, the inspirational, informational, and personal. And Mm -hmm. so I try to infuse all three of those into the content that I put out during our launch in the challenge Mm -hmm. and Instagram stories and our ads even. Um, And then we'll do the closed cart. And then after we close the cart, we'll usually have like a downsell. So that would be something where maybe they didn't buy the course that I was selling in that big promotion, but Mm -hmm maybe they want to buy this other course that's a lower price and that's going to help them with some of the main things that i was teaching in that that first course that bigger one that we were selling in our promotion so that could Mm -hmm. be a downsell where you'll get some extra sales at a lower price point from some people who didn't enroll in the first thing Mm -hmm. or for a coach maybe it's like a smaller coaching package that you could sell as a downsell Um, and then another thing that we'll do is anybody who buys the program during the launch is we'll send them to an upsell. So that's something that we think if they purchase this additional course or these Mm -hmm. templates or this extra information, it might get them even better or quicker results. So Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes these will be templates like keynote templates, webinar slides, that type of thing that they Mm -hmm. can purchase. Sometimes it'll be another course that we think if they bought this, this would be really helpful for them. So now instead of just making that one sale, from your original promotion. Now you've got, maybe you're doubling yourselves or yeah, you're adding that extra value to each customer or client that comes in. So the general process again is to have that free challenge that you're promoting, that you're getting people into. It's about the information and the community. And then you've got your, your launch and your promotion. You're focusing on your email marketing. You're sharing that information on social media sharing it with your challenge or video series people. And then you've got those upsells or downsells leading them to uh, sort of the next step after they either do or don't uh, make that 
purchase. <laughs> that that was a that was a lot, and must yeah. be like like you're like whoa, hold on. Let, <laughs> so anybody who's watching, listening, you can yes. rewind this and watch this again because this is of course a full breakdown of a lot of moving pieces. Really, right. like you went from say find a challenge slash video series that would get people introduced to the idea in a way or get them right. to build a community around the idea tell the idea which is launch pre-launch uh, sorry launch uh, launch related task and once they're made either a purchase decision or not a purchase decision based on that offer up a different product or give them a product that is of a lower price point and maybe of something that is more affordable for them or more easy to take action than right. maybe the main product that you were offering. So I, I'm super simplifying what you yeah, what you kind of covered, but that's why I'm saying, hey, you got to re-listen to everything because there's a lot of golden nuggets in that little piece that you gave, which could be dissected and utilized to see how you could recreate that for your own reality for everybody that's watching and listening yeah. uh and you can like you said it can be translated into coaching packages it could be translated into consulting packages it could be translated into anything that a person wants to do what is it that you would say in today's time from what you know about the coaching industry um how is it i i, I mean i totally get how they can use content uh, they can probably use courses to introduce people to their ideas their philosophies and maybe get them some results before they actually go into actually working with them one-on-one or one-to-group, right? But if you were, let's say, as Melissa, you had just started and you were, say, a coach. I know I'm trying to, like, put you into a spot where I'm saying you have started and you're doing a completely different profession. Not completely mm -hmm. different, but somewhat of a different profession. Yeah. What would you say would be the best path for a coach in today's time to take if they wanted to utilize content? Mm to get started, what would be some of the recommendations that you would have for somebody who's just starting out or is somebody who has really great experience and they have been offline coaches, they've been in corporations and so forth, but they've just moved on to say, hey, I would love to serve a larger audience and would like to do some mainstream stuff like mm -hmm. health coaching or life coaching. Just if I had to give you that scenario, what would you uh, what would you advise? Mm, like how to just get started? Yeah, get started in a in a good way, a solid way, the the right mindset. Mm. And what would be the first few things that you would do? Yeah, yeah. So I would say the first things would be a lot of what we've talked about of creating the initial content on your website, and then I'm all about systems. I love efficiency and mm -hmm. just like if I have to do it, I want to do it in the most efficient way possible. So what I would do is batch the content, batch those blog posts, which just means create all of them in, in one sitting or in two sittings, rather than creating a blog post, then creating the image for it, then doing the SEO for it. Just create the blog post mm -hmm. and as many as you can in that yeah. one sitting so that it just is more efficient than switching between different types of tasks. Mm -hmm. So do that first. And mm -hmm. then once you've created your blog post, then create your opt-in incentives for those blog posts. And for now, maybe even just start with one, one mm -hmm. thing that would work for all of the different pieces of content that you've created. Uh, and then plug those into your different blog posts. Then I would move on to adding the SEO to your posts. So just going back and like adding in some keywords to your posts and making them a little bit uh, more clickable, thinking of what, what would a good headline be for this? Mm -hmm. And you can do some great research on what a good headline would be for your post. There's some really easy things you can incorporate into your blog post titles to make them more clickable, more searchable. So that would be the next thing is just add some basic SEO to your content. And then this is where the systems really come in, in my opinion, is 
Now what you can do is make a list of the other places where you want to be active online, where your people ideally are hanging out. So maybe it is Facebook groups, maybe it is Instagram, maybe it's YouTube, or maybe it's Facebook, doesn't matter. But create a system for how you're going to dissect that original post and then turn it into these other things. So maybe for like an email, which I highly recommend sending an email weekly to your audience. If you do nothing else, create blog content and send emails, done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe throw in some webinars, <laughs> yeah. that would be great too, yeah. but uh, that's where I would start. But you can create a system for how am I gonna dissect this blog post and then turn parts of it into an email to my list. What's some formula that I could come up with? Is it just sharing the first half and then linking to my blog post and telling them to go read the second half? Is it sharing a majority of the content from that blog post in an email and just plugging in basically the same information, knowing that not everyone who's on your email list is going to read your blog posts. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about using similar content. Um, and then thinking of your Instagram post, because you can turn one blog post into several different Instagram posts uh, and Instagram stories. So that could be a great way to transform that blog content into things that you can post on Instagram um, or in Instagram lives or Facebook lives, even just using the same points that you teach in your blog post and turning that into a Facebook live and then an Instagram live mm -hmm. and then using like the Facebook live video and making that a YouTube video by just uploading it to YouTube. Mm -hmm. So now you've got this whole empire you're building of content where you're attracting people in from wherever they're hanging out online, always linking back to that original blog post that, or at least to the landing page for the opt-in incentive you created so that you're using your content as a way to grow your email list. Mm -hmm. And now you've got this big spider web of all these places where you're touching people and growing your email list in the process. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing that I would do is uh, you obviously want to make sales, right, mm -hmm. for this business. So <laughs> the next thing I would do once you've started growing your list a little bit, even just like 50, 100 people, is start thinking about doing a webinar. Because mm -hmm. webinars are a really great way to make sales. Um, and my belief about that is both that they're great for marketing uh, and sharing information, but they're also so great for people just to get to know you. Because people, mm -hmm. especially nowadays, where there's a lot of people talking about the same topics, where a lot of people have a social media presence, uh, a lot of people are creating online courses. I think the biggest differentiator is, do they feel personal connection to you? Do they feel mm -hmm. like they can trust you as a human being? And if mm -hmm. you're only creating blog posts or you're only writing Instagram posts, but you never actually show yourself, you're never on video sharing who you are, then it's a little bit harder, not impossible by any means, but mm -hmm. a little bit harder for people to really feel like they know you and they trust you. So I would use some of that and turn it into a webinar where you're gonna be live on video teaching your people. Uh, that was one of the biggest things that started to skyrocket my business was doing webinars. Uh, and they're really fun for me too. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I got to connect with people, share information um, and make sales, obviously. So mm -hmm. webinars is really a great next step as well. This was amazing. Thank you so much. There's so much juice, by the way, for, for anybody. You, we went all the way from learning about how to find what to create, how to create, how to cre get consistent on it, to uh, email marketing, to launches, to promotions, to so much stuff. It's amazing. I think this, this episode is brilliant, but there's, I'm sure something that I missed 
and I forgot mm. to ask. Mm. So, so if there is something that you feel as it, it would be great, this as a nugget based on your own experience, like this is a nugget I feel people forget, what would that be? Mm. You know, I think we, we just were talking about it a little bit and it's adding who you are to what you do. I mm -hmm. think it's so easy, especially when we're getting started, to look at all of the people that we think are successful online or in their businesses and to start emulating them. And to an extent, that's normal and that's fine and good. But don't forget to leave yourself on the table. Don't forget to add the like special sauce of who you are to the work that you do. And that could be sharing some of your vulnerability, sharing some of the pieces of who you are that maybe you think like, this is kind of a thing that I don't really want people to know or that was hard for me to overcome. So being a little bit more vulnerable in your business and sharing those personal things about who you are is just gonna make your people fall in love with you so much more easily. I think we shy away from doing that because we don't wanna seem vulnerable. We wanna, we wanna seem like we've got it all together. We wanna seem like these successful people out there that we're trying to emulate. But if we forget to add ourselves into what we do, then we just become like any other coach or course creator any blogger, whatever out there. So it's really that personal stuff that differentiates you from everybody else. You, you've probably, everyone listening has heard of the unique selling proposition, your USP. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're thinking like, well, I don't know what my USP would be because I do the same thing as so many other people. Mm -hmm. But it's like your USP oftentimes can just be your personality 100% expressed. Mm -hmm. What would that look like if you were 100% expressed in your business, not holding back at all, not trying to be a professional and really just leading with the fullness of who you are and showing up as yourself in those videos that you create in your webinars, adding your own personality and language into your, your emails and your blog posts. And for my business, that I think was one of the biggest things that helped my business to grow so quickly was that I never shied away from being myself. And there were times when I definitely hid a little bit or I was uh, afraid or, or didn't want to share things, but I always tried to infuse my like quirkiness and just my personality into what I did. Um, and even during those times when I like was in the emulating phase of like, I think I need to be like everyone else mm -hmm. uh, to succeed, I still was me at the end of the day. So I think that's big uh, is just be yourself. And then like we were talking about, find ways to incorporate who you are into video. So maybe it's mm -hmm. hopping on an Instagram story or Facebook live. Uh, and for people who haven't done something like that, it can be kind of scary, but until you do it, you're never going to get over the fear of it. And when you do it, I think you're actually going to enjoy it because you'll probably get the most feedback from people when you start doing videos, positive feedback from mm -hmm. people who are like, oh yeah, me too. I mm -hmm. get that. Or thanks for talking about this. Mm -hmm. People are going to resonate so much more deeply because they can see you and feel you and experience you so much differently than if they just read an Instagram post or a blog post from you. So find ways to do both where you've got the personal touch, the 100% express version of you with the amazing information that you have to share with the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I do believe what you said is so, so, so true that we forget to bring ourselves to the mm -hmm. table. We just forget, we just, we just feel like it's not enough or not good enough or, yeah. or just not needed or like, we hide like you yeah. said so i'm think i'm grateful that you brought that up as as the closing comment that's yeah. definitely something that i missed asking so thank you so much and thank you so much for taking the time today and just showing up for for everybody that's listening and watching right now thank this you this is so fun thank this you fun, thank man. you for having me
Now that was a lot of content related conversation we just had and I'm sure you're feeling very empowered and ready to create a ton of content. But before you go and do that, I invite you to go over to whatever platform you're listening this on and give us a five star review. Melissa gave you some five star motivation and education around content. I think you should appreciate this content by posting a great rating and a great review for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, listen, before you leave, if you are in US or Canada, I invite you to send me a text. I have this ability to interact with my community on this private text that I use for business. Uh, the phone number is 323-618-6132. I repeat, 323-618-6132. This way you will get to text me directly and I will be able to text you back directly. It's as simple as that. I know we have Instagram, Facebook, and all these other wonderful social media channels that we interact on all the time, but sometimes it feels it's too public. It feels like I'm talking to a group of people instead of just you. What else? When you text me on this phone number, I'm able to create a personalized communication between you and me. So go ahead and text me, 323-618-6132. I'm looking forward to interacting with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you haven't subscribed to the Evercoach podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you can get a notification every single time we post a new episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. I am your host, Ajit Navlakai, and every week on the Evercoach podcast, I will bring the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves.